Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slate Show. Happy 4th of July, Independence Day. Monday kicked it all off with what would have been the anniversary with the Second Continental Congress meeting in Philadelphia to vote on the Declaration. But Wednesday is the actual observance of Congress officially adopting the Declaration of Independence, although New York abstained from the vote. In fact, when news of the Declaration of Independence reached New York City, it started a riot, believe it or not. By July 9th, 1776, a copy of the Declaration of Independence had reached New York City, with hundreds of British naval ships occupying New York Harbor, revolutionary spirit, and military tensions were running high. George Washington, commander of the Continental Forces in New York, read the document aloud in front of a city hall. A raucous crowd cheered the inspiring words, and later that day, tore down a nearby statue of George III. The statue was subsequently melted down and shaped into more than 42,000 musket balls for the fledgling American army. And it seems to be that the Twitter blue checkmark journos of New York still haven't embraced observance of the 4th either, even when it lands on a Wednesday. Lauren Duca, a freelance reporter, had her own hot take on the 4th's midweek disruption, being that it landed on a Wednesday. She tweeted out, The 4th of July, being on a Wednesday, is officially the universe crapping, she used another word, on white nationalism. What in the holy hell is this incomprehensible gobbledygook? I mean, what does that even mean? (laughs) White nationalism? The fact that we love the freedom that was established by those who were fleeing tyranny? That's white nationalism? But see, they hate America. That's, this isn't a place that they respect. You know, it's all built on, on, um, built on racist uh, white slave owners and all this other BS that, that academia has instilled in everybody's heads. But, you know, I, that's the way they want to roll with it. You know, go right ahead. You, you can hate America all you want, but do not make it about white nationalism. Because it wasn't. But, you know, that's the progressives. They hate Americana. They've been lashing out ever since their loss of government control. But even more so, now that the retirement of Justice Kennedy has been announced, their God is being dethroned. And the progressives, their progressive deity is being reshaped. And so they're freaking out. They've even been peddling some false narrative of Trump Trump put pressure on Kennedy to retire. He's a bully. Let's impeach him. That's the crap that I saw earlier. It was unbelievable. But, you know, it's a false narrative. Somebody floated that in the New York Times or, or the Washington Post, one of those uh, one of those crap magazines, and they ran with it. They, people took it out of context and started acting as though it was real. And, you know, they're trying to lobby some of the most lukewarm rhino Republicans in the Senate to vote against the next possible conservative nominee. And not even a conservative nominee, a constitutionalist. One that's actually going to look at the Constitution and not pull a Ruth Bader Ginsburg and say, oh, it's an old document, you know. Egypt has a newer Constitution and, you know, Canada had one in 1982. The reason why it works is because it stands the test of time. 
But we want to avoid getting somebody like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, which hopefully she'll be done here soon and we can put somebody in that spot too. But the big talking point that's floated around is they believe Roe v. Wade is going to magically be eviscerated, and which as much as I'd like that to happen, good luck making that happen because it doesn't seem to have been able to have been accomplished in the past. But this is ramping up the activist, just like we talked about on last week's show. With the press secretary being thrown out of the restaurant, the DHS secretary being harassed out of a Mexican restaurant, the Senate majority leader and his wife being confronted by a mob, the Florida attorney general being harassed and shouted out of a screening of a movie documentary for freaking Mr. Rogers. And we have another harassment of a Trump cabinet member. They've harassed Scott Pruitt, head of the EPA. He gets confronted by a, quote, patron. Hi. Um, I just wanted to urge you to resign um, because of what you're doing to the environment in our country. This is my son. He loves animals. He loves clean air. He loves clean water. Meanwhile, you're slashing strong business standards for cars and trucks for the benefits of big corporations. Uh, you've been paying about 50 bucks a night to stay in a DC condo that's connected to an energy lobbying pattern while approving their dirty sands pipeline. Um, we deserve to have somebody at the EPA who actually does protect our environment, somebody who believes in climate change and takes it seriously for the benefit of all of us, including our children. Um, so I would urge you to resign before your scandals push you out. Yeah, that chick is probably a real activist. I mean, anyone not realizing this chick is an, an activist, if you see the video, they missed her tatted up arm and her half-shaved head. She looked like she was an occupied chick. You know, she was referring to a notepad that she had under her arm and uh, the same arm that was holding her emotional prop that she was calling her child. I've got a child and he wants to live with clean air. And who's take? who wants to dirty the air? I mean, who wants to dirty the water? It's, it's a stupid, stupid idea. You know, I mean, businesses that engage in commerce want to, uh, they want to have good uh, branding. They want to... Uh, keep their resources clean. I mean, if a business is out there destroying the the uh, the air quality, they're probably going to lose customers real quick. You know, if a business is using water to uh, create products, they probably want to keep it somewhat clean. You know, but that's a this gets lost on the progressives and their activist freak freak shows. You know, I mean, they it's it's that sev it's that thing from the seventies. You know the. The big buildings with all the smokestacks, you know, remember we had the aer uh, aerosol can freak out in the 80s over the ozone hole, which we found out now is BS. But, you know, that's it, it all revolves around that. I mean, the environmental environmentalist movement is nothing more than a way to destroy capitalism. And it's a way to destroy the economy of free societies by keeping us to a standard that is ridiculous and is based off of zero evidence while the other countries can just go ahead and just, you know, walk around with masks on like they do in China, where they actually had the world's largest air filter made because the air is like freaking pea soup. But you know what? They are not to cause the, uh, you know, they're not a cause of, of pollution in the air. No, China, which has more people than we do. I mean, it's unbelievable. But that's, you know... That's how they are. They, they, they really base nothing on reality. They just have just their narrative and what they want to accomplish, which is socialism and the destruction of the American society. But, you know, 
this chick, this is the soft, outspoken activism that was basically being called for by, um, you know, by the left, by Maxine Waters and, and uh, you know, all those people that were out there saying, yeah, we, we should, we should get, engage in civil discourse out in public, you know, chase them down in and, and, uh, restaurants. And I mean, it's unbelievable. But it got violent over the weekend. Even the Patriots Prayer Rally got, got violent by Antifa lashing out. But the funny thing is, you should see those videos. They got dropped. They got their asses handed to them. Multiple videos of them provoking violence, being smacked down in the streets. It's as though they're pushing for another civil war, which led to many to mock this idea with their versions of what, you know, what would the letters written to the loved ones during the Second Civil War read like, you know? I love David Burge. My darling Clara, I am writing you today along the Twitter Maddox timeline where the infirmary, infirmary tents continue to fill without cessation. The, wor- the woods ringing with the barking despairs of hollow-eyed souls driven to madness by butthurt and sick burns. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. Dearest mother, we have taken control of a Chick-fil-A, but I fear those Trumpsters have taken out one of our Starbucks. We march at dawn for ice lattes and freedom. (laughs) My darling, war is hell. The Battle of Trader Joe's lasted many days. We lost half of our battalion, some to enemy fire, some to dreaded Kafefe virus. I still live, but for how much longer, I do not know. Pray for us. Unbelievable. Dear Mom, today we blocked a freeway leading to an airport, and tomorrow we will be picketing outside of a business where people work full time. That's all for now. Thanks for the trust money, and tell Dad this Grand Hyatt is nice. (laughs) I actually threw in one of my own. Tist hard to see the mighty prancing protester, flailing with emotional arms swinging, missing their enemies. No, dear partner. Near to tweet a word of comfort. No living intersectional gender identifying individual to administer relief. <laughs> it got really ridiculous. But, you know, that it just shows how stupid the movement Antifa is doing is. And they're not, you know, what gives them the ability to attack without any sort of... Uh, you know, without any sort of due process, without any sort of judgment from, you know, the legal side. I mean, they're just out there taking the law into their own hands and saying, you're a white nationalist. I'm going to beat you because of it. If that doesn't scream love, nothing does. The progressive freakout isn't helping their cause for midterm success and aspirations. Many of the Democrats that aren't extremely hardline, they're kind of nervous about this new move of, you know, attacking people and also uh, abolishing ICE, you know? They, they're calling for the abolishment of the enforcement agency on the border. This from Town Hall. Abolishing immigration and customs enforcement is the new rallying cl- cry for the fall, far left. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand called for it, as has New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who challenged and recently beat a top Democrat, Joe Crowley, in a major upset last week, has also called for it. Deborah Holland, who is the Democratic candidate for the 1st Congressional District in Mexico, also supports abolishing federal law enforcement agencies on the border. 
represent uh, Representative Mark Pocon has introduced a bill abolishing ICE. And you bet Senator Elizabeth Warren is behind this policy push as well. Yet while dissolving ICE may be a turning into the progressive left's latest crack cocaine addiction, Democratic pollsters are nervous that A, um, the... um, the position is too extreme, and B, it plays right into the Republican Party's hands, which it does. Selena Lake, longtime Democratic pollster, told Axios, I worry about abolishing ICE as it tips the issues from humane treatment to security. The Republicans are already trying to move the issue in that direction, Lake added. Voters believe we need some sort of enforcement along the border of for security, not just for immigration, but for security in general. I wish we were pushing this. We need comprehensive immigration reform. Republicans are rejoicing at the notion of a new litmus test for Democrats, especially ones who have presidential aspirations in 2020. Alex Castellinos, a longtime advisor to top Republicans, said Democrats are making a big mistake and his party, um, they're making the mistake his own party uh, made after losing to Barack Obama. He said, We become so weak marginalizing ourselves to such an extreme that an outsider business guy who had never run for office before extinguished us all. That's the danger for the Dems now. They are marginalizing themselves as they race against each other to win the gold medal for anti-Trump extremism. If they're not careful, some Silicon Valley billionaire, outsider, probably a woman, could clean all of their clocks and steal their party from right below them, which is probably going to happen. Where the debate is going, a well-known Democratic strategist told Axios, abolish alone could be a political disaster, akin to Trump's gutting of the Affordable Care Act is for Republicans. It suggests that Dem concern for undocumented immigrants goes beyond compassion and into irresponsibility. And that it does. I mean, and people know that. Interestingly, interestingly enough, this is the one federal bureaucracy that they want to completely eliminate. It's not the EPA. It's not the Department of Education, but it's ICE. But, you know, here's the thing. When you talk about um, Cortez, her win up in New York, Crazy Eyes Cortez, go check out the meme that's floating around. She looks psycho with these freaking eyes. But Crazy Eyes Cortez, she... um. She was out there talking about how she's a different kind of socialism. She's a democratic socialism. You know, it's not it's not like socialism. It's democratic socialism. You know, it's not Coke. It's new Coke. Uh, Here's the difference between socialism and democratic socialism. It's almost the difference between a misdemeanor and a felony. They're all crimes, no matter how you want to claim it, no matter how you want to spin it. I mean, it's like people claiming, oh, it's a small sin. They're all sins. I mean, is the government going to benevolently control the means of production? I mean, have you seen the facilities of most government maintenance buildings? You know, have you seen the gap in technology for most government offices? There's no interest to innovate because government doesn't need to update infrastructure when they do not need to spend the money. Everyone cites the DMV, the long wait times, the lack of efficiency, but... Take it to many states and municipalities. How about their parks and recreation services? I mean, those facilities look like they've been built in the 50s. Look at some of the schools. They look like they've been built in the 50s. Look at some of the, I mean, that's the thing. Government doesn't need to build new buildings. They already got them, even though they were built, you know, half a century ago. I mean, the buildings are falling apart, outdated. They don't want to spend the money. Now, capitalism does 
on a selling point. That's their selling point. Money has to be met, uh, has to be spent to make processes, procedures, branding, infrastructure pristine and efficient. That's they do that to gain clientele. They want nice buildings, nice storefronts. They want nice equipment, top of the line, you know, technology, stuff that they will then push innovation to occur because they need other areas that are um you know, require some sort of a solution to be made. So, I mean, that's the difference. Government is a, you know, the business has an interest in making money and capitalizing on an idea. So somebody has an idea, they want a return on investment, they put their money up, they hire people to do it, they come up with technology, they come up with uh, processes, and, and they put it into action. They're not there to just give somebody a job, you know? The mean old corporations, always mean old corporations. It's never the mean old big government. But, you know, they're in the interest of making money, capitalizing on an idea. Multiple interest in profiting allows for multiple distribution centers of these resources to meet the demand. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you've got, uh, say your demand is I need an oil change and you've got a ton of competing uh, oil change services out there, well, you might not have to wait. Because you can go to one, and they might do a better job. One might be a little bit more expensive, give you some other perks, you know. One might even turn it, turn the innovation up, come up with a process that gets you in and out within 15 minutes or less. Government's not going to do that. Government can't meet the demand. They're the single distribution center, and they don't have any interest in quality. They have an interest in just giving you what you what they require you to have. So what does this do? causes bottleneck. They can't meet the growing demand. If the need is available and someone has the idea to meet it with ingenuity, the decentralized process of self-interest will efficiently meet that demand. Government can't manage this, this concept from a high tower. And again, I cite Yaron Brook, who's a great libertarian, in stating, you know, when they talk about artificial intelligence taking jobs over, he said, we have no way of predicting what kind of industries are going to be in reaction to that. We don't know what kind of jobs are going to show up. We don't know what kind of sectors are going to arrive. You know, I mean, did you think that the iPhone would come about after they, you know, deregulated the uh, phone industry, the telecommunications industry, when that became not a public utility and they ended up putting it out to the free market? Suddenly we go from rotary phones to personal computers with a phone app in our pockets, all right? We don't know what's coming down the pike in reaction to AI. But, you know, we don't know how the market will respond without being immersed within it in real time. And that is the point of my post. Government cannot ration supply to an overwhelming demand, but monetary interest to those who will deliver. Meeting monetary interest to those who purchase is key. Years ago, those who uh, couldn't purchase, those who were down on their luck, guess who helped them? Churches, organizations of compassionate people, not some benevolent government, because they're never benevolent. They make you stand in long lines for that assistance. They make you fill out tons and tons of forms in triplicate, and then they're slow to provide it. But, you know, that's just a bit of clarity for you millennials who think, you know, free stuff is the new socialism democratic socialism, and we got to stuff that into our, our governing system. And doubling down on open borders isn't a winning item either. CBS polls cited that 20% of people 
want to have open borders. A new survey also from Harvard Harris, and this is a poll by a former Clinton pollster and strategist, Mark Penn, was conducted on June 24th through the 25th with 1,448 registered voters. On the issue of separations, Penn began with the threshold question. Do you think that people who make it across the border illegally should be allowed to stay in the country or be sent home? 64 percent, 83 percent of Republicans, 47 of Democrats, 66 of independents said they should be sent home. 36 percent said they should be allowed to stay. Penn then asked, do you think that parents who make with children who make it across the border illegally should be allowed to stay in the country or be sent home? The presence of children made little difference in the results. 61 percent, 81 percent Republicans, 40 of Democrats and 66 of independents say they should be sent home. The vast majority, 88%, oppose separating illegal immigrant families while they're in the U.S., and they blame the Trump administration for the policy. On the other hand, 55%, 76% of Republicans, 39 Democrats, 55 independents, said illegal immigrant families should be held in custody until a judge reviews their case, essentially the new Trump family detention policy. So, you know, this is not going to stop progressives from running on the uh you know the call for the end of ice it's part of their love strategy because everything the the democrats do is always out of love <laughs> you know what i mean like joss weldon yeah the marvel comics movie uh the avengers guy he said hey far right gonna beat you not gonna start a war not gonna shoot you run you over threaten your kids gonna beat you with passionate compassion with journalism activism and the law with votes. Your rage is fear. Our rage is love. Our state is united. Happy fourth. Well, <laughs> yeah, even though those agitators and inciters of violence, they, you know, they do it out of love. And Obama is helping the love and the unity, or shall I say division, from the outside. Because if you were wondering where Obama was, New York Post told you where he is. These, they basically come out and say, Obama is doing far more to shape the political landscape than is visible. In fact, for an ex-president, he's taken an unusually active role in politics, including helping radical protest groups fight Trump and his policies and devising a scheme to flip the GOP majority in the House and permanently turn red seats blue. From his sprawling D.C. office, the one that he bought with Valerie Jarrett, remember that? We talked about this. Anyways, from his sprawling D.C. office not far from the White House, where he oversees a full-time staff of 20, Obama has held regular meetings with Democratic lawmakers, as well as DNC chief Tom Perez, whom he personally helped install to run the Democrat Party. Obama has also met with his attorney general, Eric Holder, to craft a strategy to redraw congressional district maps in Democrats' favor, according to Politico. Now, Holder, he now runs the National Democratic Redistricting Committee which Obama helped his old friend launch. Obama, who maintains a home in Chicago, originally said he only planned to stay in Washington temporarily until his younger daughter, Sasha, finished high school. But the family is clearly putting down deeper roots. They recently bought their D.C. rental home, erected a massive security wall, so they built a wall. Erected a massive security wall around the property, which includes offices, and they installed a little swimming pool. You know, you gotta have a little recreation when you're resisting. While it may be true, Obama does not want to engage directly in Washington politics, including personally protesting Trump's policies, he's using a political organizing group that he founded to do that for him. That nonprofit, Organizing for Action, is not exactly a household name. It used to be Organizing for Obama, but anyways. 
but it is no less than organizing and a training hub for the anti-Trump resistance. Most recently, OFA helped stage rallies across the country against the administration's border policies, which it has decried as cruel and inhumane. OFA describes itself as a nonpartisan, grassroots-driven organization, but it clearly has a pro-Obama agenda. In fact, it's run almost entirely by alums from Obama's campaign and White House, including John Carson and Jim Messina, who co-chair the group, and Katie Hogan, who serves as its executive director, according to recent tax filings. Though Obama has no official or legal role in OFA, he features the group along with his foundation on his post-presidency website and rallies its foot soldiers who wear blue t-shirts with big OFA letters in conference calls. Here's something really good. OFA has formally partnered with one of the angriest resistance groups, Indivisible. Remember we talked about Indivisible? (laughs) The Indivisible Project, which has been criticized for using overly aggressive Protest tactics against Republicans at town hall meetings, a.k.a. Antifa. Antifa violence like you saw in Portland is being orchestrated by Obama. Going on. Indivisible plans to deploy OFA trained agitators to storm Republican districts during the 4th of July recess starting this weekend to shout down Trump's racist policies, the website says. OFA brings in 6 million and 14 million in donations a year and is funded in part by who? Democracy Alliance. We talked about Democracy Alliance a lot because they are the resistance head. They umbrella all of these decentralized nonprofit groups that are basically out doing various parts of the resistance attacks. So, I mean, the fact that this is happening should probably concern a lot of us, you know, but this is the thing. We are in some kind of luck because Trump has been able to combat this fairly effectively, even though we're seeing it. And the majority of people in America are getting fed up with watching the violence. We're getting fed up with the cloud and Piven that we saw during Obama being administered from the outside. Now we're tired of watching all of this division that is being created by the media, which has been created by Democracy Alliance, because Democracy Alliance oversees who? Media Matters, which is the one that is forcing Google and forcing Facebook and Twitter to censor YouTube, to censor conservative voices. We're seeing Color of Change, who is the Black Lives Matter group, who is also a communist group in in connection with the Freedom Road Socialist Organization. We're seeing all of these different groups that work for the left being orchestrated like a puppet by Democracy Alliance. Go back and listen to my Democracy Alliance podcast from, it's probably about a year ago, and you can hear the breakdown of it all. Linda Sarsour speaks there. George Soros speaks there. They're getting attorney generals together so that they can make a new move and try to redistrict all of these different you know, all these different districts and states. They've realized federalism and they want to weaponize it. So be on the lookout for that. I'm not trying to bring you down on this fourth, but we have, to keep a, we have to keep a sharp eye on what they're doing because they're coming for you, whether we like it or not, whether we're sitting there having a quesadilla and a margarita and having somebody shout us down because we're wearing a MAGA hat or, I mean, I, I don't know. That's coming. So just be on the lookout for it. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. You can check my, my podcast out on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, TuneIn. Find me on on iHeart as well. 
get the Roku channel on the Roku streaming device. Also, subscribe, patreon.com slash the Adrian Slade Show. <laughs>